Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. It might be fair to say that right now, you have found yourself in the most confusing time of your life. It certainly will be interesting to see how history records this time period. Many in the media are emphasizing self-care, that's in quotations, and while much of the information is helpful, in Psalm 139, David reminds us of the most crucial aspect of self-care, slowing down, looking up, and keeping our eyes fixed on the Lord. This is important since God made you. He knows what's best for you. For help thriving in these confusing times, here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message. God created you. Well, history has been very confusing at times, hasn't it? And certainly we are in one of those very, very confusing times right now. Life is just all over the page. And should the Lord Jesus delay his second coming, I think it will be very interesting when we look back upon uh, those times, how history recorded this time period. Those of us who are older, uh, we remember the Cold War and they would have us get under our desk in case a nuclear bomb was dropped on us. I never knew that a desk could stop a nuclear bomb. (laughs) And so some of the things that our kids will remember from this time period, they will be telling their children and and probably saying it was really really bizarre. You know, uh, the internet has given rise to a tremendous amount of motivational speakers. There is no shortage of them. And most of them are emphasizing uh, slowing down. They're emphasizing self-care. Many of them even include spirituality, but in order to keep their audience broad, they really don't get very specific about what they mean by that, but they include spirituality in self-care. They also tell us to look around at people, to focus on relationships, to look carefully at your work or how you spend your time, and to be very much aware of your daily routine. Uh, King David wrote Psalm 139. I'm not so sure he would disagree with a number of things that a lot of uh, motivational speakers say. He lived a 1,000 years before Jesus, but I think he would add something that most of them are not putting in, and it's really the most critical thing. I think he would say, while you're looking around at the world, slow down, everybody, slow down, slow down, and look up, go ahead, look up, okay, and keep your eyes on the Lord. Already in Psalm 139, we've looked at For week one, God knows you. Week two, God is with you. Today, the title of our message is God created you. God created you. And since he made you, he knows everything about you. And in order for you to really know about you, you have to let the Lord search you and show you who you really are. Now, that is both painful and glorious, but it is part of what we call sanctification, growing to be more like Jesus Christ. 
This is all connected with the third aspect of God's character or God's attribute. We call it omnipotence, omnipotence. What, what does that mean? It, it, it's God's attribute of infinite or supreme power. Dare I say, without some beginning of the understanding of God's omnipotence, you're not gonna really truly understand it all, but if you haven't even begun to understand it, that you really don't understand God much at all. And that's fine. Uh, We're glad to have people who come in here and say, I don't know anything about God, that's great. Sometimes people say to me, I was born with no religious upbringing, and I'm like, good for you. Oh man, you are at such an advantage. You're like a clean slate. You can just open the Bible and not listen to all this crazy stuff that's out there. God's omnipotence, God's infinite and supreme power, it's not just a fact to know in your head. God wants it to be a personal reality of God's involvement in your life and in my life. Here in Psalm 139, uh, that's where we get our series name from, and the series that we've called this is Our Powerful and Personal God. Remember, we said that he is powerful enough to help us and personal enough that he wants to. And in verse 13, David starts with God's divine involvement in his life, and this is something every single one of us shares. He writes this, verse 13, for you formed, uh, some of your versions say created, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. There's another version or a couple of versions, put it this way, I really love this. It says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Notice Davis doesn't say, my mother got pregnant and I was born. He says, you created me. And again, I love it when he says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. The idea is I was carefully put together in my mother's womb. This is, if you will, a a look into the divine ultrasound. We get to see what's actually going on inside of David's mother, any woman, what's going on on the inside, that God's work begins, right, before the greatest of technology can tell us what's going on. Now, believe it or not, we're down now to about five or six weeks after after conception that they can tell you a little bit about what's going on inside a, a woman's stomach. But God knows from the very, very beginning. Uh, theologians call this divine agency. What is divine agency? It means that every person is born by the power of God. Every person is born by God's omnipotence. And here's what we need to remember. There are no accidents. There are no surprises with God. Perhaps you grew up and you heard people saying this, God don't make no junk, right? (laughs) And it is in fact true. That's why... And I know this is a sore subject, but that's why Christians, it's sore because of the pain and and sometimes our lack of being aware of people's pain. That's one thing we have to be better as as Christians. Sometimes we're, you know, we're so strident in what we believe, we forget the pain of people. 
But when we look at this passage, this is one of the passages of why uh, Christians are so strongly pro-life. So please let me digress for one moment. That does not mean we are insensitive to women who have had abortions. Oh, please, we are very, very sensitive uh, to that. Many of you know that when I was 19, I took a girl to have an abortion. I was not the father. She just called me up and she said, I don't want him to know. Will you take me? And I, and I didn't have any thoughts on pro-life or non-pro-life, any of that stuff when I went into there. And there was 10 couples and uh, I was the only guy who wasn't the father. The other guy, nine guys, you never see more nervous guys in your life. And my friend came out ninth. I went in indifferent to abortion. I walked out against it. Watching nine other women walk out. And I will never, ever, ever sit in judgment with all my boatload of sins. But after that moment, that changed me forever. 19 years of age, college kid just seeing the pain that those women walked out with. That doesn't mean that we are insensitive to women who get pregnant and give a child up for adoption. That is a very traumatic experience. I know having spoken with my brother's birth mother, that was very traumatic for her. And so sometimes we think, oh, just have the baby, it's easy. Just give it up for adoption, like, you know, like changing your socks or something like that. How dare we be so insensitive? We should be in very great support of people who make that decision. It does not mean we are not hyper supportive of single moms who are, who are doing, we have a pamphlet that says being a single mom, the most difficult job on earth. And, and we are supportive of single moms here at this church. Recently, a pro-life organization was running a spot on our radio station, and they basically said in the radio spot, there are other options. And we got quite a number of nasty emails to our station and some nasty letters. And I wrote back to every single one of them. And I said, I, I understand your concern, and I understand how the language could make you Made, it made them feel like, well, there's other options, like you could get an abortion. But I said, dare I be so bold as to say to you, perhaps you are more out of touch than you think that you are. And I always say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But maybe you're more out of touch than you think you are. For many young women, they think that abortion is the only option. And what these people meant was there are other options beside that. I believe the recent statistics that I read from about a year or two ago, uh, and the number is declining of documented ones, but there's a number of reasons that could be cited for that, was that a year or two ago, that we had 900,000 abortions in the United States of America. Now, 20 years ago, that number would about 1.5 million, uh, million, but now there's a pill, now there's some that aren't recorded, so we don't know what the exact number is. So let's just work with the 900,000. Now, a lot of people who would say, well, you people should adopt all these babies and then there wouldn't be this problem. Do you know there was only 19,000 adoptions? It is so hard. 
It is so hard to adopt a child in the United States of America. I have written letters upon letters of, for people recommending them for adoption of good, godly people, maybe in their mid-30s who are unable to conceive of a child or they had children and they just wanted to adopt and they were turned down because the guy got busted for marijuana when he was 22. I mean, come on now. Do you know how many times I was pulled over and caught with drugs in the car? <laughs> or me and my friends were, we just didn't get arrested. Those are staggering differences of numbers, 900,000 versus 19,000. Generally, the pro-life movement focuses on the baby. The pro-choice movement focuses on the mother. I pray, I hope and pray that we can come up with a better dialogue on the entire thing. But that's not what David is talking about here. He's talking about the individuality of each person. That the divine knitter was in every womb, forming each person individually, even twins, triplets, differing the way that they are. I, I don't know about you, if you have multiple kids, my, my wife and I always say, we can't believe they came out of the same belly. <laughs> I'll always go like, well, that one, that's the postman's kid and that's the UPS man's kid. <laughs> and and it's, an, it's an amazing thing. God created you with the greatest of detail and care. And you may not like, you may get up and look in the mirror and not like what you see, but please remember that heaven looks with different eyes. Heaven doesn't see what you see or what you don't like about yourself. God is, says here that it says that he created his inward parts. We, we are created, what does that mean? We are created spiritual beings it is the essence of who we are. Even the motivational speakers know that. And sometimes I think as Christians, we forget we're so busy either doing for God or feeling guilty that we're not doing something for God that we're forgetting the essence of who we are. While our inner person, who we truly are, may be hidden from the world, and even it's often hidden from ourselves. It's never hidden from our creator, never hidden from your creator. Next, David turns from his inward parts, or we might say his, his soul or his spirit, to, to the interconnection between his body and his soul. It is an intricate connection. And he says in verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's leave, just look at that up there for a second. Leave it on the screen at home, please. Just look at that for a second. Another version says, still, still keep looking. Another version says that you are remarkably and wonderfully made. Here's my question. Do you believe that? Not is it true, it's true. The question is, do you believe that? Do you know that's how God sees you? That he looks at you and he says, listen, my work 
My work was done from the very beginning. And how you are now, I have known all along, as we will see. He continues in verse 14. He says, marvelous. Another, another verse says, wonderful are your works and that my soul knows very well. Another version says, and I know that very well. So reflecting on verse 13, the work of God produces awe and wonder in David because he knows something that all of us, we say, and I don't know how much we really believe it. If I were to ask you, is there a purpose for your life? You would, most of you would go, oh, yes, Pastor Jim. Yes, oh, yes. Very spiritual, very spiritual. <laughs> but if God has been working on you since the moment you were conceived, and I would even say before then, <laughs> God has been working on you since the moment you were conceived, knit you in a certain way. Do you realize that there is truly a purpose for your life. That's why I am always encouraging you to join a group. If you haven't, take a step of faith, go for it. Because you will find out from the other members of your group what a lot of your gifts are. And then you can find why God made you the way he made you. Some people say, well, I, you know, I don't, I'm really not, not really much of a help. I, I just come up and, and, you know, I just come and clean the church during the week or something like that. Well, let me ask you something. If I have to come in in the morning and clean the church, how can I bring the sermon on Sunday and Wednesday? How can I go help people or something like that? Where God, the thing that God's called me to do. Some of you are so incredibly gifted at so many things, but you just think it's not that important. Are you saying the way God knit you is not important? Are you saying that there is no real purpose for who you are? Think about these things. It's important to think about these. I don't want you to feel guilty about these things. I want you to say, God, this is the way you made me, and I am satisfied with the way you made me. And so the way he thinks about the work of God and the wonder of God and the purpose of God, that turns into praise in verse 14. So what fact turns into praise? So before anyone even knew David's mother was pregnant, God's powerful and artistic work was already well underway. I mean, think about it. The creator of the universe. And I'm telling you, you need to spend more time looking at the stars at night. Whenever I come home and it's dark, I'm always looking up. I look around the world, but when I look at the stars, I am just, I am just daunted by the fact that he who made the stars knows me inside and out. So think about it. The creator of the universe was at work in you when you were tiny and microscopic. When you were just little, God has been at work in you every step of the way. I mean, look, look, 
look at just the wonder of your human anatomy. The incredible amount of science and creativity that went into making you. God actually made you. This is why Christians, and this surprises a lot of people, Christians have been traditionally very pro-science. Most of your early scientists going centuries back were, in fact, followers of Jesus. We are people of the sciences. We are people who want to, I believe that's part of our being put here on earth, is to discover the mysteries of the world, of the universe, of the human body. And all of this causes David to explain at the end of the verse, and he says, and that my soul knows very well. So now outside the womb, David continues to see the evidence of God's activity in his life and in the depths of his soul. Again, it's something I think in our so our busy, busy lives, we're not looking at that. We're not laying our day out before God and saying, God, help me to be aware of you through this in the entirety of this busy day. The, you know, the weather report for this past Friday, if you're watching from out of, uh, out of the area, it was for very icy roads in the afternoon. And uh, we didn't get to see my oldest son for Christmas, so I was supposed to go pick him up in New York City. And so instead I went on Thursday afternoon which Thursday afternoon was pouring and foggy. And uh, I didn't keep up on the current events. And not too far from where he was living, there was a visitor uh, in New York City known as the President of the United States. <laughs> and so I, uh, and there was an overturned truck on the uh, overturned uh, vehicle on top of the Queensboro Bridge. If you don't know New York, I used to drive a truck there, so I know that that means one level is open. And a truck tried to go exit in Manhattan through the Midtown Tunnel. No, 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 okay? And he slid across the entrance. And the, uh, the, the president's down with the new mayor down by one police plaza. And so forget about the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge. So there is no way to escape Manhattan. So I'm like Will Smith, if you know that movie. I'm trapped, I'm in Manhattan. <laughs> and it was taking me, and I drove a truck there for eight years, so it's not like I don't know the thing. So I'm going up on my traffic reports, and it's just red everywhere. It's taking me an average, as I'm going down the, one of the avenues, three to six light changes before I get to the next light. But I was just like, well, Lord, you knew this was gonna happen. And thank you for the opportunity. I called a couple people here and there. A couple people called me. But most of the time I just spent just looking at people and saying, Lord, you made them. You made them. And you made them. Help that woman, Lord. And just realizing that God takes time to make people. So it's so important we see the evidence of God's activity in our lives God knowing that Thursday afternoon that I needed some time for the depth of my soul to really get outside of my own world. 
A thousand years later from David, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, did miraculously put the Lord Jesus inside the Virgin Mary. And then in Jesus's ministry, he explained the miraculous second birth. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, that's Nicodemus, Nicodemus, the great Jewish teacher, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hmm, what does he mean by that? As I read that, I think he means unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you have to be born twice in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing. How does that happen? You turn to God, you admit that you're a sinner, you admit that you have turned your back on him, but you turn to him, you see Jesus dying on the cross in your place for your sins, you put your trust in him, and then you are born again. Now, it may happen somewhere else in the process, I don't know, but at some point in time, loved one, you do have to believe. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.